Hello and welcome to Cross Street Coaching. I'm your host, Jason, from Hawthorne Union. This show is designed to be bite-sized information on personal growth, career, and leadership development, and professional coaching. This is Episode 6, Supervision and Shenpa. Welcome back to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. This is a show where we try to find out the people who support others, how they support themselves. And today, I'm with Coach Paul. Hey, Jason. Hey. So, Paul, how do you like to be introduced? Ah, wow, that's a great question. Um, As simply as you just did, uh, I am a coach, uh, I am a coaching supervisor, and I'm a fellow traveler walking, walking on this journey through life with most people. Yeah, awesome. So, for full disclosure, I mean, we just... Uh, got finished with our DIY Designing Your Own Course Intensive. We're here live in Pismo Beach, California. Beautiful Pismo Beach, California. Yeah, it is really nice. Although today it's overcast. And so tell me a little bit about why you agreed to come on the show today. Sure. Uh, I am really passionate about coaching supervision and what it has done for me, how it has made me a better coach and I'm really excited to chat with you about the benefits of coaching supervision and how other coaches can benefit from receiving it. Yeah, so I've I've had the pleasure of doing co- coaching supervision with you. Mm-hmm. We had uh, two sessions actually, but for those people that have never experienced or even heard of coaching supervision, you know, supervision kind of has that that negative connotation, right? My supervisor, right. my boss. So how would you explain it to those that obviously are in the coaching field or not in the, or even if they're not in the coaching field, how would you explain it? Right. Just like uh, we as credentialed and certified coaches sometimes have to explain the difference between coaching and consulting or mentoring. And, and we talk to people when we are sharing uh, that coaching is not really about telling somebody what to do, about not giving advice. Supervision has a bit of a, uh, has a name that, that doesn't really connotate what it does either. So what coaching supervision is, is it's a process where a coach can bring in a case and through sharing the particular case or theme about a case, they understand more about one, of course, how to support their clients. But really, in the end, it comes down to how they are becoming more aware of who they are in that coaching journey with their client. And I'm going to share a lot more about that. What I do want to share is what the ICF, uh, their definition of, of coaching supervision, they define it as a collaborative learning practice to continually build the capacity of the coach through reflective, reflective dialogue and for the benefit of both the coaches and the client. And that's a pretty good explanation. I want to, of course, share even more deeply. Yeah, so it's interesting. So I, I heard you say that it's a space where coaches can share about specific cases, but then you also said that they learn about themselves as well. Right, right. <clears throat> I think one of the the easiest ways to define supervision is to do, is to start first with mentor coaching because coaches uh, have a really good idea of what mentor coaching is. And so when they got credentialed, 
They brought in a recording, they shared it with their mentor coach, the mentor coach listened to it, and through the process of uh, a few minutes, they got um, educated. The coach might have gotten educated about what they did right, about what they did wrong. I, I look at mentor coaching as a bit more of a hierarchical relationship, and it is great, and it is so important to be, to help you become a coach. And then what happens? You, yeah. You're a coach. You're credentialed. You are seeing clients internally. You are working as a contracted coach. You, are a, you have a private practice. You are in your own space doing your own thing, oftentimes alone in your office. And then something happens. Something with the client comes up, an ethical concern. A situation where you've been working with them and things have been going great and and then you start to lose track of really what the purpose is of of the work that you're doing with them and so what supervision then provides is for that for that credentialed coach for that coach that has been uh, coaching for a while it's an opportunity to be invited into a reflective space where it's not as much about uh, a hierarchical relationship where the mentor coach and the, the mentee uh, is involved in. Supervision is more of a flat conversation. It is what I like to describe as meta-coaching, if you will, because it really is just like coaching. The supervisor views their supervisee as whole and resourceful, and so it's not about the supervisor telling the coach or supervisee uh, how to become better. It's about creating a safe space, using questions, asking, having them reflect on who they are as a coach and how they are showing up with their clients. And I'll give one example in a moment. But what, what is amazing to answer the question more specifically, it always starts off by bringing in a case. Now, different than mentor coaching, you don't have a recorded case. You physically bring in a case by talking about client, the relationship, how you found them, how long you've been working with them, what sort of interventions have been working, what hasn't been working. And so the sessions always begin as such, but to answer your question, it never stops there because it always comes back to, as I said before, who you are as a coach, what you are bringing in, what may be hooking you. I like to use the, the word Shenpa, which is uh, a word uh, that Pema Chodron uh, talks about. And the word Shenpa is hook. And so oftentimes... Knowing it, and more often without knowing it, we get hooked by our clients. We get hooked by their stories. We get hooked by wanting to help them. We get hooked by, by seeing a little bit of ourselves in them, or maybe even seeing a relationship that we have, a friend, a cousin, a parent, a child, seeing our clients and having that little bit of a relationship 
of a, of a, of our kid that may be struggling. Sometimes because of that, knowingly and oftentimes unknowingly, we get hooked into their story. And when we get hooked, we're no longer serving them. We are sometimes serving our own needs. And what supervision does is it creates that reflective space. The supervisor asks challenging and very thought-provoking questions to ensure that any blind spot, because we all have them, gets uncovered just a little bit more so that when we show up with the client the next time, we show up in a much cleaner, much more clear-eyed view. So we are helping just the client and not continuing to get hooked by them or their stories. Wow. Shenpa. Shenpa. And what's, what language is that? Oh, boy. Um, I believe it may be Tibetan, actually. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. I just know that I like the word. When I, when I read it and found it, that, uh, that word hooked me. Yeah. I, we get hooked so often. And so much of what it means to be a great coach is to, to be clean. That's a clean coaching is a word that's thrown, that's been thrown around a lot lately. And, um, it makes a lot of sense, right? When we go into a coaching uh, engagement, when we have a session, we want to show up as clean and smooth as possible, mm-hmm. right? So that when the client shares and when the client gets uh, shares their friction or shares their hooks, we are not getting hooked by them. We are able to continue to ask the right question at the right time so that it, it is all about them and not about us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing almost a little bit of personal experience. I mean, have you ever been hooked by uh, either a case or a client? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Anything yeah. that you, you think you can share or that comes to mind? Sure. Well, to, to, let me take you back a, a, a little bit. I, my, my background prior to coaching uh, was in psychotherapy. And so to explain coaching supervision, all of the metholo- uh, methodolog- methodological devices all the theories, all the tenets are actually taken from clinical supervision that all uh, therapists must get to uh, maintain their practice. And so I, as a therapist, was getting, was getting hooked all the time as a young neophyte therapist many, many years ago. And I found through supervision in that aspect, I was better able to to understand how I was going to uh, how I was going to support my clients. Fast forward a, a decade or so to my coaching practice when I was just starting off. I worked with uh, a lot of young adults, and I think like most of us, when we work with young people, and even even in their twenties, we see a little bit of ourselves in them, right? That's kind of why we love working with with young professionals and young adults because we don't want them to get tripped up on the same missteps that we did. But we know as professional coaches, 
that if we were to tell them what to do, give them advice, you know, tell them how to live their life, we wouldn't be coaches. We'd be mentors. We'd be advisors. But it's really tough. And I can recall a situation with a, a young adult who is just getting started in the professional world. And, and, and I wanted so badly for them to, to not make the mistakes that were staring at them in, in their face. And, and, you know, as I reflected after a few sessions, I, I recalled just realizing that it was that I was seeing so much of myself in them that I wasn't serving them by maybe giving a little uh, more uh, information at the end of the session than I needed to. They needed to, they needed to trip and, and scrape their shins. And it was my job to just make sure that they were, that they were learning each time that they did, that I asked them the right questions when they did fall down and scrape their shins of, of what their learning opportunities were the next time. But man, we all get hooked. We all, we all have blind spots. And, uh, and that's why coaching supervision is so important because it is a reflective space where you can talk about those things and where you can learn more about who you are as a coach and what stories you bring in, how you can uh, emotionally regulate yourself to the point where you are being as supportive and, um, and helpful to your clients as they are needing. Yeah. So do you think that coaching supervision is something to, to manage that emotional reaction that coaches have, you know, their investment in their clients, their desire for clients to improve, to taste success? Is that something to be eradicated from a coach, something to be suppressed, something that needs to be managed out? Hmm, that's a great question. I think, I think the word eradicate, suppress, these are, they're great in theory, but we're human. So the idea is, is, is with awareness, with an understanding of who we are, with, with the act of, of deep reflection, whether either in a supervision session or after, or preparing for that client and recalling those conversations that you had with your supervisor, you're not, you're not suppressing them. You're accepting them. You're accepting your humanness as a coach and knowing when it's time to, when it's time to, to help them, but also knowing that when you, when you hear something that may be hooking you in to their story or to their narrative or just to who they are, that you just, that you maintain an awareness over that. And so to me, it, there is no, there is no getting over things. It, we get through them and, and awareness and acceptance is how we do that. It's very powerfully said. I, I really, I really like that. Is that part of that acceptance? And I think that as coaches, there's a lot that we need to accept as ourselves. And especially those things that help us serve our clients better. And from the, from the inside out, they, they somehow feel like flaws. So I'm really interested. Um, obviously, I think the big elephant in this room is if you could tell us a little bit more about your journey from therapy to coaching, because from the outside, some people think they, they hold therapy in higher regard. And why would you ever go from therapy to coaching? <laughs> you know, isn't, sure. that, isn't that a step down? But obviously, 
you know, the way that you articulate it is so, is so powerful and so meaningful. And so I'd like to invite you to, to talk about that journey. Sure. Sure. Uh, it, it's all a journey. Uh, I, I jokingly refer to, to my journey as a fortunate series of overcorrections. Uh, if you allow me to take a one step even further back from the therapy world, I, I started uh, as, a, as a young professional in business and in marketing and, and loved it and loved being uh, in that world, uh, but I wasn't ready for it. I quickly uh, overcorrected into the world of psychology, I got my master's in in uh, psychotherapy, jumped into to the role of being a therapist, loved it, loved so much of it, loved understanding human behavior and understanding what drives us and supporting people. One thing that I didn't love as much was, was the way in which we looked at everything as a problem. And I feel as though as much as I love and am a big believer in talk therapy, there are more than one ways to help somebody. And I found for me that when I went seeking to find my client's problems, I found problems everywhere. And I felt like I had, uh, there were tons of boxes that I was putting them in. And the way I knew that I wanted to live my life was to, to have a, a world where there were no boxes, where I saw my clients as whole and resourceful, as, as so many of us like to share. And so uh, my journey from initially business into psychotherapy, back into coaching, coaching uh, executives and leaders, so essentially back into the business world, has been uh, a journey of my own personal acceptance and it's all made sense as I looked back to it. But what really allowed me to, to, to grab hold of what it meant to be a coach is that I got to, I got to view my clients as whole and resourceful. And I got to, I, I, I didn't have to look for boxes for them to, to fit inside. Now, the truth is, is that we're all in boxes. We put ourselves in boxes. We put other people in boxes. It's how our brains work. It's how the world works. But coaching for me, it made those boxes lighter and uh, possible to to get out of and, and dance around, if you will, dance in the art and science of, of change, which coaching allowed me to have the freedom to do. And, and therapy, as much as it's needed, as much as... I am a believer in it. It just wasn't quite for me. And that's, that's what we do with our clients. Sometimes they're, they're in a box that fits almost right. And it's our job to, to hold that space and ask them the questions to make sure that the, that box, that vehicle uh, that they want to travel with for the rest of their time on this planet is the one that fits even a little bit better. Wow. It's very, very interesting how you see the world as boxes and something trying to escape you. It sounds like you kind of come full circle and realize yeah. those boxes are still there, but you influence them in a different way. Right, right. 
and that comes back to acceptance yeah. and that comes back to, to just owning who you are and, and what you desire to become. And, 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 and that's what bringing back to, to supervision is so important because it, 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 it all happens through the conversation and, and when you are a coach and you have a client who is, you feel like you're in a box when you're working with them and you don't know, uh, up from down or right from wrong or how to get out of the box that you may have put yourself in or that, or that you feel like they're putting you in. Uh, it's that reflective space that happens in the supervision engagement that allows you to either accept what is or learn about uh, yourself and how you can uh, use yourself as a tool to escape whatever that box means to you. And when you are free, when you are, are authentically you and congruent and allowing yourself to be the coach that that you know you want to be, your clients will reap the benefits. So, Paul, let me ask you, who supervises the supervisor? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Uh, in my supervision training, a little more uh, background and, and answering that question, coaching supervision is relatively new. It, um, of course, was born out of clinical supervision from the therapeutic realm and the fact that Mentor coaches, uh, while they do a little bit of supervision or a little bit of what it means to be a supervisor, asking reflective questions, creating awareness out of that neophyte coach, uh, it's not all they do. And so, and so the, the, the two fields began to separate a bit and the, the practice of supervision has grown over the last 10 years to a point where it's now becoming its own part of the coaching engagement. And so my, my supervisor, uh, who, uh, was trained through another supervisor. There's some, there's some theoretical, um, thought leaders in this, in the field of supervision, uh, have supervised, uh, their supervisees and then passed along the information. So I did, uh, go through, quite a rigorous training program, about as much time uh, in terms of uh, educational units and, um, and in-depth practice as it is to become a coach. You then have to uh, do the same thing to become a certified and then credentialed supervisor. Now, at the moment, ICF does not credential supervision. It's done through a, a few different governing bodies. One is the European Mentoring and Coaching Council, uh, who has actually developed a relationship with the ICF so that when the ICF does uh, adopt this practice, and they are, then, then the, the, the field is aligned and um, the, the idea of supervision continues forward. So yes, I have a supervisor. There are supervision groups for supervisors. It never ends. Awareness <laughs> never ends. And, and the, like I, I like to say, awareness is energy. And uh, when our awareness grows, 
that which we aren't aware of becomes even more dense and even more important because we are never going to become aware of everything. And so even the most aware coach, even the most aware supervisor still has growth to, to occur, still needs to, to sit and have a conversation and talk about where they're getting hooked and a potential blind spot that may be taking them in a direction that may not be serving their clients. Yeah. So my last question before we wrap up for today is other than coaching supervision, what are the things that you do to develop and support yourself? Sure. So the act of uh, reflection is to me such an important practice for your own development and growth. Uh, One of my favorite quotes by um, an educational theorist it says that we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting upon experience. Sure, in the moment, we may be learning a little bit about what we may be doing, but it is pausing, reflecting back on what we learn, what the opportunities are, how we are growing. That is where the deep learning happens. And so journaling writing, thinking, pensive reflection, being still and quiet and just thinking about how we can develop ourselves to me is paramount to, to your growth and also being in community, you know, sharing and talking and learning. And that's why while I love individual supervision, to me, the power and amazing Uh, part of supervision comes in group supervision where you may bring in a case and your colleagues uh, may help you reflect on it and everybody learns because when it comes down to it we're all humans being human and the human condition is uh, there's a through line there's similarities between all of us and so so group supervision to me is is such a powerful experience. One, because you learn by bringing your own case, you learn by realizing that you're you're not alone, and you have an opportunity to do the work after and reflect and grow yourself. And when you are growing yourself, your clients will grow that much more as well. Yeah, I like that, reflection. Uh, doing journaling one line a day is one thing that I've recently started in the past few months and doubling down on it. Any sort of personal reflection tool that, that you use? You know, it's funny. There's, uh, I'm always trying different new, new things. And something that I'm trying right now is actually uh, a voice-recorded reflection tool. And uh, we have so – we're all so busy. Um, I do journal. I love to write. And I'm also realizing that speaking into a microphone, reflecting on my own practice as I'm taking a walk or, or even sitting in traffic is a wonderful opportunity to release my, release my thoughts. Um, cause you know, if, if, if you're in LA like me, uh, you're sitting in the car and, uh, if you're just sitting there thinking, 
um, you might as well be sharing those thoughts because uh, you can then reflect back on them afterwards. So, so for me, the the art of of um, of recording your your own journal entries uh, and having an opportunity to look back at them is a is a unique practice that I've uh, started in this new year. Well, I look forward to putting a mic in front of you again and hearing a little bit more reflection. So, Paul, where can people find out more about coaching supervision or more about you? Sure. Well, going on to Hawthorne Union website, looking up both group and individual supervision. Uh, we're starting new uh, cohorts all the time. And if you have uh, a group of uh, coaching colleagues and you want to start your own group, uh, just reach out to us and we will make that happen. Of course, you can find me there and you can find me on LinkedIn slash Paul Sandbar. All right. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jason. My beautiful, articulate friend, Paul. <laughs> Until next Always. time. Always. Cool. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information on Hawthorne Union, you can go to www.hawthorneunion.com or reach us at info at hawthorneunion.com. Thank you.